0: hello you're listening to the ace podcast with myself pete perfides it's not complicated it's just a friendly space where i get to speak with a like-minded soul about the music that gets us out of bed and out of the house or just as often the music that gets us excited to head back to the house and remove your latest acquisition from its bag and onto the turntable or into the cd tray um in the case of today's guest, that's something we need to be clear about, because in the 90s, his after-hours get-togethers were the stuff of myth, resulting in a well-loved radio and TV programme called All Back to Mind, in which showbiz pals such as Damon Albarn, Chemical Brothers, Frankie Knuckles, Noel Gallagher, Paul Weller, James Dean Bradfield and Fatboy Slim all talked about the music they liked to play during those magical wind-down hours. And indeed, it was also those late night sessions that spawned another phenomenon with which our guest remains synonymous. His guilty pleasures compilations and the eponymous club nights quickly became the stuff of legend, helping bring about a situation where we could unashamedly punch the air to the chorus of Billy Joel's My Life, Brian Adams and Mel C's When You're Gone and offer full-blooded backing vocals to the fortunes Storm in a Teacup. In recent years, You might have found him bringing the good times to Victoria Park and later Brockwell Park and even Butlins in Bognor Regis in the form of his Hoopla Festival. Throughout it all, he has continued DJing on the radio. In 2012, he won the Silver Sony Radio Academy Award for Music Broadcaster of the Year for his Radio Kent show. And all this has happened because our guest is... Rather, I fancy, like many of you listening in, an enthusiastic emissary of the humble record. As part of Ace's continuing songwriter series, he's compiled Ladies Sing the Boss, a CD made up of 19 female-fronted versions of Bruce Springsteen songs. He's quite literally Mr. Sean Rowley. How are you, Storm?
1: Hello there. Thanks, Pete. That was rather strangely wonderful to listen to thank you for that introduction
0: uh, well it's it's a joy to talk to you we've met before yeah. we've met uh behind the decks we've met uh, kind of clubs and through mutual
1: friends but it's lovely to have a have a proper chat with you that's uh, what this feels like it feels like an opportunity just for me and you to have a chat about things we love
0: let's do that let's start with. The business at hand, I want to start with the business at hand. Ladies sing the boss. This is such a great idea for a compilation. I mean, I fully realized what a great idea it was for a compilation when I started listening to it and saw the way these different female singers inhabited Bruce Springsteen's
1: songs. But it's not an obvious idea, is it? It's not. The most obvious idea, I've always, I mean, like yourself, I'm just a huge fan of the cover version. The cover version is always, a, I always feel like it's just a poor excuse to indulge more and more in perhaps an artist or a song that you particularly love. And whilst you might have your standard, bulk standard cover version that does the job of perhaps taking the record, that the, the song to an, another audience, I've always been a fan of the cover version that does a little bit of something different. Um, I think I always cite my favourite cover version of all time as being um, Curtis Mayfield's version of the Carpenters, we've only just begun, um, of which he performed it. I think it's only this, there's two live versions, there's one from the 70s and one from the 80s that exist on on vinyl. and. the, the reason I use that as the example is because one night I just sort of happened upon it. And I was, as I was listening to it, obviously it's Curtis, he's singing this incredible song. And then all of a sudden I realized that it wasn't a song just about a happily married couple moving into their new home as it was originally, obviously written by Paul Williams. Um, but it took on the role of a, almost like a, a civil rights anthem. Mm literally without changing a word yeah. and that sort of gave me the insight into something that i thought that's that's where cover versions should, should could, when they're when they're operating at their zenith that's where they are it's it's there's something else that comes to the song so with ladies sing the boss whilst not every single version that is on there it does exactly what i've just described there are definitely some interesting takes on Bruce Springsteen the sort of character that has been presented uh, from sort of, sort of the 80s onwards of the um if 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 you weren't a big fan of Bruce but you 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 had a passing interest in him you you, you would rely on the sort of prefab sprout cliche of cars and girls mm. so th- I wanted to sort of get beyond that a little bit and try and give people a, a, an opportunity to to get into, actually for me as a massive Springsteen fan, uh, to, to, to give them the the, the the route into one of the reasons why I love him so much and what I think the overriding uh, message that comes through from a lot of these cover versions is when the female singer taps into the vulnerability that bruce has that is always there for for me
0: your liner notes for this are incredible and you know these days i I always try and give props to people who to, to records that have got great liner notes because they remind us all over again what we lose when we just stream an album you know when it's just this disembodied thing and this is uh, so. Your liner notes are just fantastic because they, that you know, and this point, uh, the about like, I was fascinated by this point you made about the kind of two different, broadly speaking, the two different kinds of Bruce Springsteen song. So the kind of the solitary kind of in, more introspective solo Bruce song, and then the E Street Band, the E Street Band sort of uh, tapping tapping into his mother's side and the solo stuff tapping into the the side from his father could you elaborate on that could you explain that yeah. sort of what you mean by that
1: yeah okay so First of all, thank you very much for the uh, for, for for the acknowledgement of the sleeve notes. <laughs> it was a bit like giving birth. It's not an easy task. If, for, no, if not, not. I mean, it's something that I have, am a great admirer of your your work, and and uh, I I just imagine you just literally sitting down and just banging it out, and it pour, it pours no, out. I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't spoil the myth. Um, and and so therefore. I I really set to task with just, I mean, if I've been researching this album, I've been researching it for over 35 years, you know, it's, 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 it, it, it's a life's work in its way because I am, I have been carrying the flame for, well, actually uh, 1980. Yeah. Since, since the, the late seventies, well, early eighties. I be like it?
0: the river or something
1: then. Yeah. The river was my, really my massive point of entry. I'll come back to the point of entry, but but, um, just to yeah just just to answer your question of, of, of so that like, like all of us, he's a complex chap, is our Bruce, um you know it's uh, um, and I guess that is there's that thing with with that celebrity status we we tend to sort of really think we know someone, you, know, if you're a fan of someone you you tend to think you really know that person, yeah, and how many of us have had those sort of daydreaming moments where you think, oh yeah, you walk into the lift and you, you know, at a record company or somewhere and you're, you get caught in the lift with the hero. And it's like, within seconds, you've connected. Within seconds, he's asking for your number and saying, we should go out for a pint and continue this conversation. You know, that's that that person is definitely someone that I've sort of imagined for many, many years. But really what you get with Bruce and again, I'm probably jumping to conclusions here because it's something that he's, but he's, he's, he, he's, he's come out of just presenting the persona that we know and love. And he's moved shifted in the, in quite in, in probably I would suggest the last decade through uh, the writing of his autobiography and through the performance that he did at the William Kerr film. Um, theatre on Broadway for a couple of years uh, a while back through those two avenues he's sort of laid his soul pretty bare I'm I'm not saying it's totally bare because I know that he's not going to do that he's not he's not going to go and this is everything that is me but he's really laid it bare I think that he's gone into he realized there was a point in the 80s where he realized that if he didn't start seeking some sort of therapeutic help things were going to go really awry and so he stepped into that arena and in stepping to the into that arena i think he started to become very truthful to himself yeah. and in becoming truthful to himself he decided to, to to let some of that out i think that part of that reason for letting some of that out is because he Knows that he can through that um, vulnerability again that word with Bruce yeah. through that vulnerability he can show people that there is an opportunity to perhaps right some wrongs in their lives, and in doing that he will he has often gone back to his relationship uh, with his parents. I mean his his father was a alcoholic with definitely mental health issues uh his mother uh, and he was of italian descent his mother was of uh, uh, sorry he was of irish stock his Mm. mother was of italian descent and his mother was literally the flip side of the coin you couldn't you couldn't have had a more gregarious outward living celebratory type of person so when you combine and i'm really getting very very simplistic here (laughs) yeah please don't 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 use this as any touchstone for any sort of uh, uh, pseudo-therapy on this but he you know when you take those two characters as the form as providing you with the formative part of your life you know we the the influence that our parents have bestowed on us uh, through is what shapes us as people uh, we, we we're, i'm pretty sure we're all quite aware of that and and he had those two very very strong influences. so he had the dark moodiness of the father that was you know absent not absent physically he was there work he, and he always held down jobs until he used to get made you know redundant from working on the factory line and things like that and then there was just just and so there but then there's this flip side where this this life is being celebrated on it in its full glory so you can transfer that into the albums you can say there's there's the the, the albums that are the should we call them the solo ventures which begin with the release of nebraska yeah. and go all the way through to um uh, ghost of tom joad uh, yeah it, 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 they're the albums that have tapped very much into the father's psyche. Whereas that glorious celebration of rock and roll in all its forms that you get with an E Street band performance, mm. it's going to lean into mum, you know, and, and the way that she lived her life.
0: That's fascinating. I, I hadn't really thought of it in those terms, but just as a kind of in on 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 you know his method and and his psyche is just absolutely brilliant and you know and having this record where you know um uh women sing his songs it's incredible you know the you 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 quote um uh the music journalist and broadcaster laura barton uh from her love letter to bruce on her bbc radio 4 show and there's this brilliant quote where she says they should his songs showed me what it is to be a man moving through a man's world and how much more I wanted that than to be the woman of these songs. And again, it's just a great in. I mean you must have been you know punching the air when you found that quote because it's actually the kind of the key to it in a way.
1: God God bless her Laura because I absolutely I when I heard that show go out on radio four um it was like it was everything that I wanted for 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 for, for, to, for to to pull this together it made absolute mm. total sense that that was that, that there was someone who had got it who had really you know had grown up with it a lot of the artists interestingly who i've managed to get we, we managed to get a and just can i just say full marks to liz and the team over at, um ace because by golly do they do a fantastic job on getting the i just submit the list that's literally it and they go off and they get what they it really get all the, it. it's a dream they're, they're amazing they're they just are. amazing full marks to neil and liz and the whole team that just pulled this together um yeah no i would say i i wanted to have a spread of artists that was you know the the, the sort of heritage classics from patty smith to darlene love mm. but what i was finding was the more i went into it the more i was finding um the likes of soccer mummy Mm. uh, and lucy dacus um that their their takes on it now they're from a totally different generation so a bit like laura and her take on it i wanted to to to, to investigate a little bit more and so you know I, i that's exactly what i did in researching the sleeve notes and and with lucy and with Soccer Mummy, it was it was very much a case of, oh, it's the music my dad played. So there was a beautiful sort of connection with these sort of younger females that were coming, that have been coming through in the last decade or so. Mm. Uh, how would we describe them I always struggle for a good description of this type it's it's is it an alt singer songwriter how would you where maybe. would you look I
0: guess uh, maybe I mean I guess maybe we don't need to describe them because no, people no, will no, just hear awesome. it and um you know and it actually on the record it all makes perfect sense but but they
1: they had they they they, they were they were connecting with their dads actually that's what i really got a sense of they were connecting with their dads through this music that their dads had listened to you know and if, if you know uh, in my mind's eye i was i was picturing like a house where the where where bruce was never not played in fact lucy does actually say that she said to the point whereby she sort of denied it for many years right. and then she had uh, like a light bulb moment and it was on the track that she covers for this compilation where she she said she heard dancing in the dark literally for the first time although she'd grown up hearing it back to back um and it was again the vulnerability of the i want to change my my clothes my hair my face yeah that that was the that was her that was her routine that was her going you're like me i can't believe this
0: And that's a conversation that fathers will rarely have with their children i mean sorry you want to say something
1: no i'm 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 getting excited with acknowledgement (laughs) of everything because i've got i've got a a, now an 18 year old daughter yeah and it's exactly that you know and uh, you know we
0: are you know i'm generalizing of course but you know our fathers and often you know you know our generation of men as well we don't always know how to have that conversation. We don't always know if that conversation will be welcome if we open it, whether or not it's interesting or it's boring, and um, and I definitely find, you know, that um, you know, you know, my my dad passed away a couple of months ago, and you know, listen, these days I find that listen, I can really, I feel like I really get a handle on him by listening to the music that he listened to, because. The reason we listen to the music we listen to is, you know, and, you know, I'm kind of inadvertently plugging my own book because I kind of wrote a book about this is because it sort of tells us who we are. Those those that it kind of chooses us as much as we choose it. And certainly through listening to, you know, a lot of the kind of slightly um, very masculine, but also very emotional uh, Greek folk music that my dad listened to uh, from the late 50s and early 70s. I definitely saw that, and and so what you say about connecting with uh, you, know, the, you know these singers' fathers through through Bruce's music—that absolutely makes sense to me.
1: Uh, the, yes, uh, yes—is the short reply. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I I've just had flashes of, of of where it sat for me. I could never actually get my father's approval on on the music that i listened to and i really really wanted that that was a that was a desire so i started tipping into the music that he had that i knew was him so the first album that i ever bought was the soundtrack to the jolson story (laughs) because it was like that was my in and do you know what i fucking love jolson (laughs) Yeah. yeah i really do and and i have that connections i have that connection through i listen to that and uh, and i'm connected to my dad there's no question you had a,
0: it's only just come out and it's a very long book so i don't unless um, I, it, bob's
1: book uh, okay i'm um, currently i'm currently suffering i'm on day five of of covid all i'm doing is reading bob's book in bed and better than that I'm building a Spotify playlist for each chapter. Oh, someone's
0: already done it. You don't have to do it. No, no, no,
1: let me do it, please. No, no, I don't care if someone's done it. I am getting so much pleasure (laughs) out of just reading the chapter, then rereading it and pulling the the bits out. It's a joy. It's yeah, that, that pre rock and roll. um, uh, I I mean, I've carried it for, 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 for all my life. I've carried it all my life. And it is literally because couldn't quite get my dad to like the music. I like he would come along with some. I mean, here's a weird one. He loved Tom Waits, so he got yeah. Tom. But then that makes sense, doesn't it? You know, yeah. he's drawing from a, from a world that that he's he's accustomed
0: from because yeah the world that it evokes and the influences yeah. it sort of carries. It does make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's quite touching that you 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 met him on his ground, as it were. Uh, after it became apparent to you that he wouldn't really meet you where you were.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. He, 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 there's a whole, in fact, this is part of the connection with Bruce. Again, it's, it's it's that, it's the father. He's, he's, he's long dead now. Um, And the, um, the, the connection was that he was he he was also an alcoholic he also worked the night shift uh, he worked on fleet street he was a proofreader on the evening news and mm-hmm. and uh, he it wasn't really there i mean god bless him and i love him and i really and i made amends later in my life we, and we, we had a fantastic relationship at, at the end of his life uh, 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 you know but but in those formative years when you really needed that around I'm afraid he wasn't quite up to the job, which is, you know, obviously a connection that I, when I get into Bruce's story, i make that connection as well. So, you know, I, w- I, w- I was looking for any way possible to, to, to get that connection. Do you remember, Like, did, I can't remember if you mentioned this in, in Broken Greek, but um, obviously there's, there, was, there were the record shops that we went to in our formative years, but then did, did you used to go to the local library and take out records? Well, the, the,
0: our our local library didn't actually have records that you could borrow, so you had to go into to the one into town, into Bir, into Birmingham City Centre, to borrow records from there. So I did that later on in life, but that wasn't available to me at the no, time. No,
1: well, that that had it. I was my area was Kingston on Thames down in Surrey, hmm. in, in like in my sort of. Uh, we moved there when I was about nine or ten, and. Um, so i'd go to the library i didn't have any money go go to the library and take out records and i just remember just taking out records that i could please dad with so it would be like the glenn miller story or you know Bing <laughs> Crosby's so greatest hits. and I, it, it, i'd look at the others and go well i could take those home but then he and all i wanted was that moment where the bedroom door would open and his head would come in and go oh i remember that one and that that was it. I th- I've got one record of mine that I remember him sticking his head through, classic alcoholic, and it was uh, George Thorogood's, uh One Bourbon, One Scotch, One Beer. And he went, oh, I like that. Wow.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> it's, it's quite heartbreaking. say No, it is and it isn't because, you know, God bless him, he tried and he did the best he could. He no. just didn't He just didn't have the tools. <laughs>
0: Oh, of course totally totally and you know you sort of you know as a kid as well you just sort of you don't really you don't sit around getting sad about it at the time you just think oh
1: well i haven't found the right
0: record yet i better just
1: more. You know, <laughs> that's it that's why i went to the library that's why the library would know i'd perhaps i'd be looking at a i can't even think of a, a release that i might be contemplating taking out at that point but uh, no, it, it was never to be. It was always going to be. It was pre rock and roll. So Bob's book. Yeah, Bob's book is I'm having lovely connections with my dad just reading Bob's book.
0: He's very ambivalent about Al jo- I, I mean, Yes, I know. I Al, jo- Al Jolson. And he's very complimentary about his phrasing as a sort of precursor to jazz but he's very uncomplimentary about almost everything else about him.
1: Absolutely not the nicest of men. I mean, driven though, driven. I mean, this is quite interesting, this, this little tangent that we're on, because, we, you know, we're talking about Bruce here. We're talking, you know, I, I, I know that you you went you, you saw McCartney on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, Jolson's the same. You know, they, they're just literally driven. They are, they, there's nothing that steps in the way.
0: And they have to be, don't they? You know, obviously you've met several frontmen um over the years. And it's just a thing that you kind of notice about a lot of front men is that they they can't be normal to do the job that they're doing, to be away from home all yeah. or, or the all the time that they are. So, you know, there's an element of self-sacrifice about what they do. And I look at them and I sort of think, well, you know, if you were if you were normal, you know, or in some cases if you were nicer, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing, you know
1: exactly exactly you don't you know okay you meeting heroes etc you know not really they're not going to be they're not going to be fully rounded people that you can sort of share a lot with it's 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 definitely definitely uh you know I, i'm quite again i suppose just type you know taking from where we've just had this conversation about fathers and um parental influence on life and you know the, the, uh, it's really interesting looking at those people that we admire we re- i mean i'm i'm you know uh, my, my artist of of that i hold the highest is brian wilson mm. and you know wow look at that relationship <laughs> look at that parental relationship how yeah, that, of you course, know yeah. but, but but that damage has given us and i don't know how i feel about this sometimes because that damage has given us sort of given me certainly in the case of that it's just the the it's just added so much to my life through my experience of sharing that that music that they have created
0: well in most cases that kind of damage doesn't result in great art and and so that's the biggest waste you know where it's just so we um i guess all we can do is just be grateful that yeah the the way brian wilson processed that damage was through uh music um of course the ethical problem would be if you had a time machine and you could go back and say okay would i have given would i give him a better dad you know so that we didn't have that music then that's the thing to feel guilty about potentially but you know we are you know we, we can't go back in time so i i think that that is to be celebrated in in this mm. case because thank god that we have that you know we might not have you know in so many other in millions of other cases there was just damage that that sadly the the the, the, the children that it that it, that it inflicted itself upon were not able to process it into world changing art so i guess you have to sort of like say so, okay well at least that happened at least we have this you know but it is a weird one yeah it's a... yeah
1: it, it, it is strange um but also you know, their their ability to create this art gives us the opportunity to express ourselves through just the process of listening to it and has a connection for us i mean that's I've just summed up the reason why art exists pretty much, you know, that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, the only, <laughs> the, well,
0: I'll come back to that. I just wanted to mention a couple of songs on this, Bruce. Um, and also going back to your liner notes, which was so, I didn't know that cover me, which is, co- which is indeed covered here by Thea Gilmore very beautifully. I didn't realize that that was originally um, intended for Donna Summer
1: yeah donna i think it was as as i mentioned so donna summer was in that part of her career where i think quincy jones was really involved Uh, she got signed to quest didn't she Mm -hmm. Uh, it was in fact her new order and the alessi brothers were on the roster at that that point on quest do you remember
0: Oh, oh right okay that's it. I, you know what is that slightly? You know that's slightly on the spectrum part of the record collecting mindset. I can. I remember the Quest logo on the back of of a Donna Summer yeah. uh, record, and not even realised I remembered that logo until you mentioned that.
1: That's it. So she was on there, and uh, Quincy was was A and Ring it so to speak, and he was just putting out the call for songs, put out the call to Bruce. And Bruce came back with a, yeah, I've got, it. I'll have, got i will have i definitely could, and, and wanted to hand over Cover Me. And there's, there's part of this whole story. I mean, Bruce is brilliantly prolific. Uh, and certainly in this um, section of his career, he's like, he's really churning it out. I mean, he's, he's knocking out like 70 songs per album. Like, you know, yeah. the, 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 obviously the majority of which don't make the cut, but you know, these days with box sets, etc., we oh, any Bruce fan just, just can just wallow in how much there was, there was made at, at the time. Um, and wanted to pitch cover and you so say, he, he mentioned it to John Landau, who was Bruce's, uh, management and sort of confidant on, on pretty much every creative level. And John went, hang on a minute. No, 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 no. You're not giving that one away. And, uh, and, and i i don't know if it went over and he retracted it and went but don't worry i've got another one which he did supply further down the line no protection i think it was called I'd have to double check that um and um he um so it got pulled back from from that and it got saved and of course as as we know it became part of the world conquering campaign that was uh born in the usa it's amazing how often songwriters uh
0: you know the kind of poorest judges of their own material in terms of what you know what they should keep and what they
1: shouldn't. I think he's probably just overexcited, like with oh yeah, I've got a great tune. Yeah, you should have this one, you know, and just just throws it over. John Landau, though, he he's he's he as I say, he crops up a, a lot in this story um because he was always there to say, no, 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 don't throw that one in the bin. He he yeah. he and I think also. Bruce has got this, ah, he definitely had, I mean, I, I, I'm quite fascinated by the psyche that must have, that how, how did he get to that point? So yeah, he really was hungry for a hit. When the, he hadn't had a hit, hungry heart, you know, sorry, born to run when it was released in 75 in the UK, flew to number 93 in the charts. You know. <laughs> It didn't didn't go. Yeah, you know, he was desperate for her hair, and so. Born, when when Born Born in the USA came along. I I I like to think that he went. I'm going for this. Yeah. I'm. Uh, this is this is the moment that I'm really really. good. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna become and he, You know, as we know, the, you know he's. In that moment, it was him, Prince, Madonna. Yeah. That, he was there, wasn't he? He was literally fit for that sort of probably two-year run. I think what...
0: we, I think we need to come up with a, a, a non-pejorative term for selling out.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: because yes, when people say that person sold out. It's usually like you know they're not it's they're not being nice about that person. Um, but there are loads of songs I love which are total sellout songs, and I love them not only because of that. I love them because. You know they're just great songs they're just great songs that happen to have been written because that person wants commercial success and that's fine you know that's pop
1: I, I i i will share with you that i had a conversation around i was doing the a couple of interviews for promotion and robert elms i was interviewed by robert elms and god bless him but robert and i really am a, a big admirer of his broadcasting skills there's 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 a couple of things that that I will always clash with. His, his complete and absolute denial of the Beatles being any good, and um and his Bruce Springsteen thing, which is so he saw him at Hammersmith Odeon in '75, and he said to me in my in this interview, he said to me, so I'm I'm currently writing a book about all the live gigs that I've seen or you know like important live gigs, and I've done a chapter on Bruce Springsteen, and it opens with the sentence whatever happened to Bruce Springsteen? He said, because what the guy that I saw in the Hammersmith Odeon that night was a street poet. And, uh, and I went, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But he just, he got hungry. He, he wanted it, he wanted it. And I think that that's what we're tapping into is, is there is, there is definitely a, a music fan who will play the slightly uh, sellout card to an artist who, literally comes up with the goods hmm. that's what hmm. they've done they've come up with the goods
0: totally it's i don't have a problem with that at all and you know across i you know i i i keep meaning to do a playlist of just brilliant sellout songs you know that just i really like it when an artist just goes okay just let's just sort of you know in another sphere i remember dream La- texas came along and they were quite a sort of Quite, quite a worthy kind of blues influenced kind of rock four piece, and then something happened, and they just they just started churning out bangers. It didn't really matter who who was in
1: the band, who wasn't in the band, what uh, whether I'd, they could I, Okay, that. okay, I, 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 let me bring this in. Does this? Do you, do you feel this fits the bill? Simply Red. Yeah. Oh what well, Yeah. Which? Well, yeah. Okay. So so let's like, let, let's just let's like just something like that. No yeah, no listen even, even I'd go even before that I'd I'd say that okay so so they they laid the, the, the laid it out on the ground with uh, a cover version of the Valentine brothers money's too tight to mention and we and it was at that point when it was oh man it was so in the moment wasn't it it was hard times was the thing wow. robert elms just comes back into the robert elms America, in the face yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah do you remember there was an article called hard times in the face nice that was the it was a pair of ripped jeans on the front cover and it was like all about like we're you know we're in hard times here it was like it was why george michael wrote um uh young guns oh that that early right yeah 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 so it's right in that moment is is that and so money's too tight to mention totally was fitting into the whole hard times ethos and it was, just, it was just literally about 100 people in Soho. by the way this this scene <laughs> wearing 501s and bandanas <laughs> Rip, ripped ripped uh, and and uh, and 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 simply red sort of what fitted into that and that might although obviously they would have been playing the valentine brothers version down down at the wag or, sure. or on the beat route um and then and then he and then he just kicked the doors down, didn't he? he, he Mick, he just went, oh well, let, let's just go for it. But I always felt like he, I'm don't don't get me started. I, I, I know where this is going. I'm starting to defend the undefendable.
0: <laughs> hey, I I um I don't have a problem with Simply Red at all. You know, I sort of I think that first <laughs> album picture book is I play a lot. I think you know, like Jericho is you know is like a record I a track i keep coming back to again and again um stars is a brilliant album there's a reason why stars was like the best record in the uk two years running he he has think about mick huntnell is again it goes back to what we were saying earlier on about driven people sometimes they're not very nice you know well you know But I think Mitt Hutnall may or may not be a very... I've never met him, so I don't want to say for sure. But um, may or may not be a very nice person who nonetheless clearly has a great record collection. Absolutely. Does not use it very obviously. His cover versions, uh, you know, not obvious most of the time. Like, you know, like that version of Heaven by Talking Heads, that's like an amazing... That's a great idea, you know. And... uh, you know, further down the, it's only love by Barry White. Not an obvious song to do, I think. You know, I find you know,
1: I get it. It's it's and, and least we forget, stuck his money in Blood and Fire, didn't Blood it? and
0: Fire? Yeah, the reg for people who don't know, reggae reissue label, a stream of phenomenal releases. Um and um and you know, I think that that hey, that version of Night Nurse was good enough for sly and sly and robbie to play on you know you slag off that version of night nurse you have to slag off sly and robbie as well because they're the rhythm section on it i think it's brilliant by the way so Good. that's my yeah hey you know i'm i'm pro mick i think
1: <laughs> where were we <laughs> i think what you've just done is you've just queued up the most perfect segue into the, the the stuff that you were you did said okay. in my interview tell you what I've, I, I've got i've got something i'd like to say now that is uh probably probably not for this this podcast okay go for I, it But I'll, I'll i'll totally leave that to your discretion i happen to be because there we were talking about the moment where the artist goes oh f- fuck it i'm gonna let let's go for it yeah i am i have had that i've personally have had that experience (laughs) and the thing is that it makes me laugh because i heard this podcast that you did with alexis yeah where you mentioned guilty pleasures and you you both had a little laugh as as like because you made reference to the fact that whilst it had started in a place that was very much firmly in that sort of captain into Neil world right yeah it then became like this huge juggernaut of like yeah just it, play play the fuck what you want mate <laughs> uh, and, and and there was a there was a sort of knowing laugh between the two of you and I happened to be driving back from a gig that night I was listening to the podcast that as a as I'm driving sure like, yeah golf, yeah in, in in the moment of like I've got I've got an hour and a half drive ahead of me at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but, and at that point I had an identity crisis. I was like, I was fucking really thrown. I was like, Oh fucking hell. Yeah. They're right. I've taken it too far. It's, it's it, uh, And it, 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 it's uh, uh, in my mind, in my yeah. brilliantly warped Bruce Springsteen obsessed mind, it's my born in the U.S. At the moment. Well, the thing is you couldn't, You c- it wasn't in, in a way you couldn't, you
0: didn't have the option of not taking it too far because it was such a good idea that it just sort of, it almost got, you weren't, uh, uh, well, you correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was almost like it was such a good idea that you couldn't sort of control it
1: anymore in a way, because, you know, you can't control who comes to your nights. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I was given a space that was, that was Coco on a Saturday night. It was like, we've got to put 1500 people in here every time we do this how the fuck are we going to do this well why don't we just ramp it up a little bit more on the uh on on the musical content and start bringing in some other bits that we're going to start to appeal to people but anyhow that was that's that that's as a little aside No, but
0: that that's interesting and i hope we do keep it in For, for people who don't um we're sort of slightly getting ahead of ourselves so this refers to uh guilty pleasures uh the phenomenon that we we referred to at the top of the show um which was the compilation and the club of the same name and it just became very successful very very quickly and so you know it's uh, you know those nights at the
1: was it the o2 academy in Islington? yeah it was Islington academy yeah right, okay. yeah so we start it started as a It started its run as a Tuesday night uh, in um, in the the mini little academy room. Hmm. Um, Four consecutive Tuesdays we did. God knows why. It was the only spot that was available, and it was it was one of those moments where it was like we need to get this out now. This is going, and um, and (coughs) excuse me. Pretty soon it was they transferred it to the Friday night. That was it. We went to Friday night, uh, the last Friday of every month. And we ran that for a a year there. And then I was given the opportunity to go to the very recently opened Coco. So that's like about 17 years ago now.
0: Yeah. And you sort of, so it was an amazing thing, you know, and it was very, I felt it was very liberating because, you know, I, I certainly, uh, in, as a kid, I, I I there were two kinds of music I loved in parallel. I loved, like, my brother's punk and new wave records, but that wasn't really for me. That was, like, for older, naughtier kids. And then, but I really sincerely loved things like, you know, We Don't Talk Anymore by Cliff and Living Theme by ELO. And, um, you know, you mentioned Captain and Tennille and... Um, you know, I would have also loved things that weren't, not all the, th- you know, the things that were, you know, like my, you know, we meant like my life by Billy Joel and stuff like that. All these brilliantly produced, selflessly made beautiful records. And, um, and so that was, um, it, I think for a lot of us, it felt like a kind of, uh, a vindication for a lot of us that weren't necessarily hiding that we liked that stuff, um, that were like, we would be kind of, we would be a bit anxious if we, if like 10 years previously, if we, if we found ourselves stuck in a lift
1: with Bobby Gillespie, bless him. We would have been <laughs> the a, classic, it is the ultimate one that you can put into the mix.
0: We would have been a bit anxious. We would have been felt a bit judged. We would have felt like, like maybe we would have been mentioned judgmentally in a later conversation. That he might have with I don't know um, I don't know Andrew Weatherall or so I don't know Andrew was lovely but um, but do you know what I mean that's all sort of like people that were so, were there was so whose tastes were so correct that you were a little bit scared of them <laughs> and you just sort of like and you'd go go on
1: the two the two examples that you've given me there are just just absolutely brilliantly spot on and it it just reverts us to 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 perhaps where we were in our childhood i mean i'm gonna come clean here and just sort of admit that i didn't really feel guilty about any of it it just was a very very nice little tag that felt like it summed up this group of records that we had grown up with
0: but wasn't that the kindest thing about guilty pleasures the fact that of course you didn't feel guilty but like the 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 lovely thing about calling it that was it was like a safe space it made it a safe space where people who did feel guilty could say oh okay i won't be judged that's exactly
1: what we did yeah if yeah and i remember someone uh, in the early days someone going what are you doing playing this shit? what are you doing i know you i've heard you on the radio you don't play this shit." and i went mate the clue's in the name (laughs) <laughs> and he was like i did yeah I, 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 sorry just to revert just just as yeah. i remember you mentioned god bless him andrew weather what, what an incredible man um and he said to me once he said oh um you might find me down your club one night and i looked at him and i went are you sure and he went <laughs> yeah I've started going out with a girl who plays power, power ballads in the other room He <laughs> go his girlfriend at the then time lizzie um was we were booking to to do the power ballads room so i went andrew think twice about that because <laughs> that would literally be my worst nightmare having someone that you hold in your highest as you as your bank <laughs> it's playing elo into into captain and to neil you go and you look across the room and andrew <laughs> will stand in there.
0: Looking. it's like you, you felt know. you feel like robert oppenheimer or something what, yeah. what power have i unleashed <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know it's sort of um but I was just uh, I can but I could I almost couldn't deal with just how perfect it was when I when I went down one week uh, because it was just like uh, it almost felt like an act of revenge upon all the people who might have sort of like had a go at me for sort of saying that you know Carrie by Cliff Richard was like one of the greatest records of its era you know
1: I, yeah I mean I. I really felt that at the time as well. I didn't. There was there was no doubt. I struggled. I really struggled. I'm going to come very clean in this. I can tell. Um, I struggled with punk, and I was I was right, but I was 15. I was like, and it, it it just was a bit scary. It was it was just I just it, it, and and Susie and the Banshees came to town. Kingston, they played Kingston Baths. And like you know, the carnage afterwards, and I thought, I don't like that. I really don't like that. And I remember Capital Radio not playing the Sex Pistols when it was at number one, and re- having to read out the announcement and thinking, "Oh, that's not right." So where were <laughs> so, you yeah.
0: doing there? So you're in Kingston upon Thames, presumably still at this point.
1: Yeah. So in the throughout the seventies, I was growing up in Kingston I was just such a huge fan of Capital Radio I just loved capital you 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 wouldn't have had that experience would you you were, no, you, you no. were out of town so Capital Radio came along in the early 70s and obviously Radio 1 had existed I was I was just massively into pop daytime radio I was that was my thing you know and this is pre- this is pre-cassette, so I'm not even taping stuff. All you're doing is listening. Oh. You're not compiling tapes, so that comes later. But at that point, you're just listening. And and there was a, this very neatly dovetails back into the Bruce Springsteen obsession because there was a DJ that existed on Capital Radio and he did the drive time show from uh, at weekday drive time from three till seven. His name was Roger Scott. Um, who did end up going on to radio one in the late eighties, just before he died. But Roger was, ah, man alive. He was, he was everything to me. I think he was my dad to Mm. tell you the truth. I think I projected quite a bit onto my relationship with Roger and I it was he had such a way of presenting very economical with his words he was uh, yeah okay i didn't know about things like playlists and 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 how commercial or you know uh, uh, pop radio worked i just thought they play the dj turns up and he plays the records he loves so that's that's what we all thought wasn't it we, yeah, then as you get further down the line you realize that it's so brilliantly market researched, and it's all about playlists. But with Roger, you really got this sense this sense of like you knew when he liked an artist or a record, and he was enthusiastic about it. And what happened for me in that moment was he, every Friday night between six o'clock and seven o'clock, he would host a show called Cruising. And Cruising was actually served a purpose. Cruising was for, um, was because uh, in Battersea Park, they would hold the Chelsea Cruise, which was a collection of uh, custom cars would gather and ride up and down the King's Road. I mean, yeah, in my mind, it was just the be all and end all of everything. And I really, really, really fell in love with rock and roll. I just head over heels because each week he would uh he would theme his shows so he'd have a a rockabilly special he'd have a doo-wop special the show was actually produced by a journalist called james hamilton do you know yeah who did that.
0: the um club chart in that's record, right in that's the record right. mirror record mirror yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah and he he was he was he was a, a, a an un before we knew about people who were record collectors he was the first that i knew that was a guy mm. who probably had quite a few good records anyhow Roger would host it he would produce it and it basically it it, it was like my route into everything that is now still important in my life so it's, it dates back to then so and Roger Scott's favorite artist of all time was Bruce Springsteen so I had he guided me towards my Springsteen obsession. There was a rumour that I heard many years ago that, uh, that is it off Ofcom off is the governing yeah, body? Regulatory body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they investigated him thinking he was on a payola scam from CBS. Wow. Because, because Bruce was not that popular and he was hammering Bruce day in, day out. But, um, but he stuck with him and, 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 he, you know, that, that's, that's, that's my route into Bruce. Wow. And, and you sorry, that, that's my answer to you saying what were you doing in the seventies? He, that I was listening to, to, to pop radio. I couldn't even, I couldn't even get peel. It was, it was quite weird. It was not, it wasn't, it just, just all felt a bit, I th- it felt like everyone was trying too hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's that's what it felt like um i think you know like the
0: whole thing about kind of like mainstream i think you know there's mainstream anything gets the kind of raw deal but you know like like you know for like similarly you know my favorite the the if i could go back to one record shop that doesn't exist anymore you know my in many ways my perfect platonic ideal of a record shop was just my local one uh, in Birmingham, which was my local, the one that just had everything that was in the charts. And, you know, and it was just a sort of snapshot of what was, that shot was like a snapshot of what was happening in the country, what was exciting at that moment in time. And, that you know, you become a specialist much later. You, speci- you know, you find your areas of speciality and that's fine. You might go to like, if you're into kind of, Uh, soul and funk and reggae you might go to sounds of the universe or whatever whatever you or indie you know you might go to rough trade or whatever but there's something very beautiful about the kind of community sort of record shop the record shop that just has the stuff in the charts and it's just a sort of snapshot of everything that's exciting at that moment in time and similarly you know commercial radio daytime radio it's just it's just a photograph held up to the country at that moment. And that's why, you know, I often go on mixed cloud to try and find complete recordings of radio programs from the 1970s or whatever.
1: I, I, I Do you know what? I only recently, uh, well l- last couple of years discovered that Roger, Roger Scott's son has kept his legacy alive by he's got a website whereby he's invited fans of Roger, to send in their cassettes. And he's now got the shows up online. So can you, you I, I know you'll appreciate the moment when I um, I discovered this. And there was a batch of uh, these cruising specials that Roger did in the summer of 1975. And he was, uh, he, 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 it was, Five weeks, so it's the school holidays, wasn't it? So it's five weeks. So on the Friday that I broke up from school, Roger Scott did the first of the cruising summer specials, and it's like I I've got that track listing burnt into my. You do, yeah. That's yeah, of course. Cause... I know everything about that. So I've so 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 his son has posted them up. So I went on holiday. I I found it, and I said, I'm fucking saving this for a moment. I'm saving this and we went on holiday and I went off for a walk on the beach and I plugged into that very first show. And I remember I was, I had a maths class that night. I just, I was doing, I, I, I had to, I still had to go to my um my tuition and I was cycling down the A3 <laughs> and it was a warm night. And I remember I, I had the my earplugs in, uh, like, no, not earplugs, like the, the one plug that you... Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. There's a, there's a single and, I'm, and that's when I heard the Beach Boys surfing for the very first time in my life. Oh and my that's God. where that moment happened. So recently, I took that show on holiday with me and I, s- I said to Gina, I'm just going to walk the beach. And I did it for an hour and I listened to the show and it was <laughs> mind-blowing. I've, done it, I've actually done the Spotify playlist of all those tracks contained yeah. within that summer. I'll send it to you.
0: Oh please do that's amazing that's amazing it's um yeah what was i going to say i was just going to say something off the back of
1: that um, who Your you j- just ask you off, off the cuff who who were your who was your big radio dj for you at in that moment would, a local, would, it, have been a, would it have been a local or daytime radio one uh, it would have been Radio
0: 1 for me. So it would have been, um, you know, in the early 80s, it would have been like Mike Reed in the morning. Yeah, that's like it. breakfast show. Uh, so that would probably be... But he's story. a music head, isn't he? I've. He is. And I, you know what I'm obsessed with? <laughs> um, do you watch Talking Pictures? Have you seen Mike Reed's music show on Talking Pictures? No, I chat? haven't. No, no. Right, okay. So this is kind of... I did, Mike Reed's, a, I'm obsessed a bit, a bit with Mike Reed, really. I'm obsessed. He's kind of, I feel like he's fallen into a weird crack, like, 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 I almost feel like I want to rescue him. This is very patronising. You know, I'm sure he doesn't feel like he needs to be rescued from anything. But like, you know, when he started kind of doing that... City stuff, and he wrote a kind of calypso about, yeah, I don't even know what it was about, but it wasn't very, you know, it was obviously a bad idea. And um, but he, he, as you say, he's a music head, so you know, there is a lot that Mike Reed and I, or Mike Reed and you or many listeners to this podcast would find a lot to talk to him about and would get on with him. And I've met him. He's a very personable man, but I've just feel he's made some kind of questionable decisions, sort of maybe on the political side of things. Nevertheless, he's a record collector. Um, and, um, he has a show, uh, on, um, a sort of, uh, an obscure radio station, which he, which is based on this thing called the heritage chart. Now the heritage chart, and he has a TV show on talking pictures, which is called something like Mike Reed's heritage chart show. And, and no one, it's a bit unclear how the statistics for this heritage chart are kind of gathered together. Uh, They or what the criteria are for eligibility in the heritage chart. But it reminds me slightly, it's like things have gone full circle. So, you know, like when you're 12, like when I was 12 or no a bit older, maybe 13, I used to sort of keep a tally of every record I played in my bedroom throughout the week. And every Friday I'd count it all up, and then I'd do like essentially what would be like the peak chart, you know. And in my head, this this was a chart of great importance because it was, you know, like in my fantastical world, you know, you know, like Joe Boxers will be fighting with Irene Cara and um, Nick Kershaw to kind of climb up the, the p chart that week. And that was like, you know, it's like a weird sort of fantasy, like not an uncommon fantasy for kids of that age to have now the heritage chart. Slight not 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 that I am not that I mean to question the veracity of the, the of, of the, the way it's compiled, but the Mike Reed's heritage chart show is you know he sort of he introduces it at the beginning and he says, you know, welcome to another edition of the heritage show, you know, we compiled this week. I can say that um the votes are coming from a total of 68 countries around the world. You know, fine. Uh and all, all of which, you know, uh, go to make this the, the kind of the premium chart for, you know, vintage music of, of a classic nature or whatever, you know. And anyway, you kind of go, and the people, the heritage, there's no finding the kind of aesthetic line that runs through the heritage chart is partly what keeps me coming back to it. I can't quite figure it all out. So you ha- you can have like... Lee Johns, it was from imagination, is in it. Um, And then um, Tight Fit are in it. Who knew Tight Fit are still going somewhere? And it's the.
1: Hang on, hang on. What's he playing when he says. And at number 10, we have Lee John. What is he actually playing?
0: Uh, climbing seven places to number 10 this week in the Heritage Show. We have Lee John uh, with his classic, uh, with his what beautiful new single. And now I can't remember what it's called, but he'll show you a bit of the video. But the video, in Lee John's case, the video is um, Lee John's kind of miming to his new single in front of a Zoom backdrop. Like, you know, oh, you can get like right. a, a Zoom, like a beach or oh, something. Oh, right.
1: So it's new releases from Heritage Acts. yes. And That's the, it. Got it. Got it.
0: Then and then you might have like Steve Norman from Spandau Ballet is is in it. You know, not the rest is just Steve Norman. And hey, then Pete, uh,
1: Pete, Pete. Let's just pause. and Let's just both say there. But for the grace of God, thank you. Uh, hey, <laughs> I watch it. I'm not. I'm not literally. <laughs> I, I. What I'm saying in a way
0: is this is a completion of a circle. This is. This is like. This, this is, is Pete's this, top ten. Who's the, who's the chump here? Me, age 13, doing the Pete chart in his bedroom to an audience of no one, or Mike Reed on the telly hosting the, the heritage chart with like... Oh. and then, But then you might have someone like... Then the undertones might be in it, or the the Vapors.
1: The Vapors are very prolific hit makers. In, in- ah, hang on, hang on. Yeah. You've given me a clue. Mike was massive on the Vapors first time around. Well, there you go so maybe he's leaning into like old favors he's yeah. he, that's what we've got here we've got like a slightly oh te- so then- tell 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 Offstage, get off on this
0: how do you explain the recent success of the boo radleys
1: in the in mike reed's heritage chart <laughs> <laughs> they're in there too holy moly what a chart. You've, uh, mate, I'm on this. This is this is Sunday, required. Sunday, is night, Sunday nights, 11 p.m. Ele- got, it, 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 can you do it on catch up? That's a bit late for me.
0: I've got it. On, you can actually, if you're on the talking uh pictures website, I've got it on okay. series link. So I've got, I've got a few stacked up. This, this and I'm just is, obviously, I'm, I'm waiting for when uh m- my wife leaves the house because obviously, if if you know, if, if she sees me watching the heritage chart you know eating cereal in my pants just watching my it's like it's, it's not you know
1: it's not it reminds me, that brilliantly reminds me of the episode of um of the good life when um um Oh, I've forgotten the characters' names. Next door, oh, oh Tom and Barbara, or Tom and Bar- no, not Tom and Barbara. Next door, oh uh, Margot, Margot, and Margot, Margot and Jerry. So Margot's going out for a meeting in Surbiton for the night, and Jerry, and she, and 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 she, she says to Jerry, "I'll be back by 10. And Jerry, Jerry, as soon as the door shuts, he opens up the takeaway curry, lights a cigar, and puts Tom Jones on the record player. <laughs> <laughs> that's you that's you heritage heritage chart and serial. tell you what you
0: know like obviously you can see you can see the backdrop here you can see i'm in a room full of records i have a very understanding uh loving wife and but which is why it's important to make put down your own markers so you to not sort of take the piss with that understanding so i did try and watch the heritage we were lying in bed one night and she was reading And so I thought I'd put the telly on and I tried to watch 10 minutes of the heritage chart. And I found myself over explaining, like, you know, Lee John came on and I was like, Oh God, look at that. Look at that cheap zoom backdrop. And she just said, it's fine. You can watch what you want. And that, that, that kind of killed it for me. It was like, okay. It was not a shared experience she she's being supportive she thought she'd be supportive but that just that very good natured. it's fine you can watch what you want almost like you don't have to justify it to me yeah that's it yeah and i thought okay i i need to just watch this on my own really <laughs> there's,
1: there's worse things to watch that's for sure yeah. <laughs> i like that oh mate i'm on that i'm on the heritage chart I,
0: i'm obsessed with it sean
1: i can but, tell
0: and i really understand why yeah. Okay. Do you still manage to make it into record
1: shops these days? Oh, w- 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 with without a beat. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, there. I was in uh, down at Glastonbury at the weekend, and um, I will always, 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 always uh, make sure that I leave the site and go to rave from the grave in Froome. Oh. But there is a uh, there's a little tag to that. In so much that there i was down on my knees flicking through i picked up a um i picked up some uh, do, do you have do you have records that you just can't seem to not keep trying to upgrade like as in oh yeah you'll see the next you know, there are certain artists that you go do you think you ever get the mint mint version oh yeah do you think uh, yeah. you arrive at that point where you go and are you happy, do you feel satisfied that you've arrived at that point where you know there's never going to be a better quality version of that record that you just picked up? Well, what
0: I get is, like, I can't get, I've got, I pick up multiple versions of it, and I have a reason why I have to keep each one of them. So, like, I've got about seven different versions of Band on the Run, for instance, Yeah. and I just have to have all of them. There's something unique about all of them.
1: I get that, I get that. But I, there, I, I was, I was i i'd i found um he'd, he'd obviously had a shipment of uh second hand uh, hall and Oates albums and i was like in my element like mm-hmm. looking and they were really good quality really good quality and i was just so i was i was going oh great they did like six or seven quid a pop but you yeah know, it's like this is great i'm i was i was in my element with that
0: I got an original at abandoned luncheonette recently i was very happy with that because oh, yeah. uh, you don't see too many original
1: not, not no this, this was more mainstreamy sort of um uh late 70s into early 80s um but there i was and there was this constant flow of people coming into the shop people saying have you got tickets Have you got tickets mate have you got tickets <laughs> and i went excuse me do you do I hope you don't mind me asking but why is everyone asking you for tickets and you keep saying no sorry they've gone he said oh they've just announced mccartney's playing in the village hall tonight 400 people yeah and i was like whoa hang on a minute um and i tried to get in <laughs> um i did have I, I had a mate who's been working with on the the whole of this mccartney tour in america and everything and then i just dropped him a text and my text read i'm in Froome. are you (laughs) (laughs) and he replied with yes and i went i know why you're in Froome. (laughs) and uh, he said there's no it was it was it was a sold you know it, it was a done deal but i i literally thought i I'm just going to give it a chance. I sat in the car park for an hour, but yeah. it wasn't to be, oh, but that, that didn't matter because Saturday night rolled. You saw movie. him. What did you, you think? Saw- what did you think of his set? Yeah. Oh man. Bruce. Um, but your hero, Bruce was there. Yeah, but this is it, isn't it? This is it. It was, it, I've been thinking about it a lot. I know, you know me and you sort of dis- discussed via email that perhaps this might come into conversation and, and, I thought well i was running through it in my head what do i say when he says what did you think and it's like i don't know (laughs) i literally it there's so much to unpack that i know that that was about that experience or what i will say was i was really 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 grateful that um i was with two friends who said look if we're going to do this we've got to do this properly i.e we've got to get in there. We've got to really, really get a good position. Hmm. And we we went in as Noel Gallagher was just literally finishing his set. Hmm. There was like a little shift of, you know, it was because the majority of people were going to stay, cool. but there was definitely, there was a bit of movement in the crowd. And that movement allowed us to, Chuck. do the classic sort of like sorry mate excuse me sorry 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 you know it's so apologetic as you're pushing and barging through sorry and there's a few tuts and there's a uh, but we got there we got I got to the lip of the um of the crash barrier That's
0: You know, amazing what? I know
1: I was I was shot. it was oh. I've got to say it's down to to my friends being probably quite a bit younger than me and therefore a bit charging away and because I don't know about you but I'm not I'm not usually in that that scrum can't I, do it i, I, I mean i'd like
0: i can't I, d- I just don't know what to do with my face really when i'm sort of yeah. you know sort of getting through but um well that's amazing though you must that, we well that there. would really um you know that you know we knew we weren't going to get that far forward so we prioritized get making sure that we were be- below one of the banks of overhead speakers because, oh perfect so that's kind of that gives you an immersive sort of experience but um, definitely, you know, like I really vibed off. You know, just sort of, I could watch Bruce Springsteen watching Paul as they oh, play together you know. all all day. Do you know what I mean?
1: You, you do you know what you got it? You got it. I, that was that was really my moment. Um, because I knew he was. I did know he was coming out. Um, I sort of, so, uh, and I knew what he was. I knew that he had done this in in the us as well so i knew that he was going to do they were going to do a cover they were going to do bruce they were going to do glory days and yeah. they were going to do i want to be your man um and i knew that so i knew it was all coming so it wasn't like a sort of oh my god it's bruce moment it was like okay it's the moment now yeah but when it happened something very powerful happened for me and that's I'll share with you what that was um, I mentioned I'm a, I'm a dad and I had a moment when I was with my daughter when she was about six or seven and we were in the back garden and it was a spring day and, the, and it, there was a tree that was in in full blossom and I was doing that thing that you do with your kids when they're when you can physically do this where you they're standing with their back to your front and you loop your hands under their arms oh yeah yeah. and you swing and you do the giddy swing isn't it and it's amazing it's such a beautiful feeling and we were doing that and she was laughing and laughing and the sunlight there was like dappled sunlight coming through the the cherry blossom on the tree and we stopped and we were giggling i think we collapsed almost in heaps and she said to me dad am i dreaming uh-huh. and it was like a thunderbolt light moment and i was i was like wow that's powerful that's what happened when i saw springsteen on yeah. i literally had a moment and i in I, I, without thinking about it i turned to my mate jono and i i said to him i honestly this wasn't a contrived thought and i just would like to add to the mix i i i hadn't been drinking i don't drink but i also wouldn't drink for i didn't take any liquid in for three hours knowing that i know you have
0: (laughs) have to make these decisions (laughs) i
1: wasn't there was nothing else that was of any intoxicating flavor in my in my I, i i was straight and i turned to my mate and i literally said where am i and I really, I I didn't know where I was. I I had a moment that was lost. I, mean, I, I thought about it afterwards because it was, yeah, it's a great version of Glory Days. It's a very, very good version of I want to be your man. But what you said, it was that. It was Bruce's recognition that he was there partaking in this experience. And the reason why it all, it was like a, if, if it was a scene in a film and I was a character in a film, it was a rapid close-up on my face because it was the moment that life made sense. And what, what it was, what that moment was, was... Bruce talks about this a lot. It's a He it writes beautifully in his autobiography about this moment and it's the impact of the Beatles in his life. So in 64, you know, obviously we know the story, it's the Ed Sullivan Show, but then from that moment on, it's the moment that he has decided that this is the path that he is taking. And he talks about this and he says, you know, he would, he, so he got the guitar, you know, he he, 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 he pestered his mum and dad to get the guitar. He would got the guitar and he would literally stay in that room with his record player, playing the records and strumming along to the guitar without having any knowing what he was doing with the guitar whilst looking in the mirror like staring at himself in the mirror and he would he would fall he would he would fall asleep backwards he would literally fall backwards onto the bed with the guitar strapped around his neck and yeah what we talked about earlier about that desire about the burning about the drive of this sort of force that propels this person through their life and makes the choices that he makes this is the moment this is the moment where that is born that moment is born and now it's realized in this moment now on this stage in front of me who's had that experience listening to those records and that's why i just turned to my way and went where am i I just didn't That's a
0: good question in a way because in that moment we were kind of all Bruce weren't we because yeah. w- Bruce was you know it was just Bruce was the kind of proof in a way of like if we were there that he he was he was the kind of personification of every fan's adoration of Paul McCartney at that moment in time um is oh yeah that is what would that doesn't change just because you're Bruce Springsteen That stays the same, you know, you just have all that changes and we, you know, you and I will have experienced a tiny, tiny part of this through meeting our heroes sometimes is the only thing that changes is that you have access, you know, you get the access to these people who you sort of love, you know, you've sort of loved all your life, you know, um, and, you know, you might be there because you've got a job to do. So that kind of, that calms your nerves down because you've actually got a reason to be there other than to just say, I love you, you know, which isn't really going to cut it. Um, but um, but nothing else has changed, you know. It's, that's just where you are. We talked about Bruce. We've talked about Paul. We've talked about Hall of Notes. Quickly, let's reel off a few top threes here. Bruce, top three
1: right now. Oh, shit
0: um right now it doesn't uh, tomorrow it what, might be different uh, of right course now. i
1: understand i understand my, our, our premise here uh waiting on a summer summer uh, w- w- sorry <clears throat> take two waiting on a sunny day um uh it, it's raining but there ain't a cloud in the sky oh yeah that's the <laughs> opening line it's just just an absolute killer um I've always had a thing for fire, um, which is a song that he wrote for Elvis, uh, uh, and tried to deliver it to him famously. Never got there, but got recorded by Robert Gordon back in the uh, back in the seventies. And I'm uh, just I'm clutching. I'm oh, sorry for staggering through this. In the... Born to Run, fuck it. Born to run, Fair enough. Uh, w- without a shadow of a doubt, the, 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 the moment where everything just makes sense for me and the, 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 you know, it, catch me on a good day and it comes on the radio and I'm reduced to tears again. Oh man. Okay. Uh, not, th-
0: if I may allow myself to join in for a second. Wow. Yeah. Come today, on. Bro. Okay. Uh, to, just today could change again, but today I would say gypsy biker from magic which i think might actually be my favorite bruce album when all said and done uh uh, i'm not being needlessly obscure but these are just the three that i've liked the most recently new york city serenade Mm -hmm. i think is uh kind of over you know when i heard that i couldn't believe what i heard. i heard that quite recently so i couldn't really believe the almost astral weeks like aspect Mm. to it that i just didn't Mm. really know that that was something that he was capable of Mm. and um and then um i want to marry you which kind of appeals to just such a wonderful song isn't it i know Uh, i heard it at the age of like nine or ten and i thought Mm. like I just want to feel like you know. I want to feel how that song feels. I want to feel the way that guy in the song feels one day. I, I,
1: I, I went to that tour. I went with my girlfriend at the time, and yeah, that that was a big, big song for me back in the day. I had that same feeling. It's a It's it's a drifters' influence, isn't it? It's it's yeah, It's yeah. got that sort yeah, of classic. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yes, yes. Classic early sixties drifters feel. To yes, it.
0: you're right. I had that hadn't occurred to me before. You're absolutely right. Um, okay. okay. Maybe Paul is too big an ask. While we, while we kind of possibly park that,
1: let's go haul and notes. I'm just a kid that make me feel like a man. Yeah. Uh, rich girl. Definitely rich girl could, could be number one. I, hey, listen, I've just realised I'm doing my DJ head because I'm just going for the crowd pleasers because <laughs> I can't go for that. It's never, ever ne- not going to be like one of the greatest records of all time. You're right. A bit like the Born to Run thing. You know, it's, it's it, yeah, I, when you see, that's interesting. When you ask me top threes, I'm always going to just tip into that moment of of like, what does the crowd want here? That's to your,
0: That's to your credit. That's to your absolute credit um yeah okay so did so we did we get three
1: there we had we had uh I'm just, I'm just a kid don't make me feel like a man yeah i'd love john i i've the more i go back into them like because i bought those those really lovely copies the other day and i've been listening to them uh again and every time there's a you know you get more john tracks on the early stuff because they probably divvied it up quite a bit then but it, obviously Daryl's the voice, the look, the hair, but J- I love John. I, I, I love his, he's, it's almost like he's
0: over trying a little bit. <laughs> he's he's definitely, and he has that, you know, <clears throat> I think every, you know, it's very rare in duos that you get two Mavericks. There's usually a goose and a Maverick and J- John has got major, major goose kind of energies, you know, uh, <laughs> I, love, I love back together again from bigger than both of us i think is a john song oh, that,
1: that, that was that was one i had on the other day yeah that's, that's a that's really amazing. great one that's amazing that track
0: so uh, yeah and i kiss on my list i mean
1: oh, oh man du, 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 du. Every, everything i think is, i used to play that uh in the early days of gp because uh, it's just you can't help but fall for that it's just there, everything on it
0: is a hook you know there is yeah. a bit on it that's not catchy and uh and maybe have you seen
1: uh, them live recently i've never seen them live have you oh oh yeah 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 i saw them on uh the portable radio tour right. at hammersmith odeon and then i recently went back about 5 years ago to see them at hammersmith odeon again but the moment that i saw them that was a blow away moment was six years ago or so not even that when they did latitude they did the saturday afternoon at latitude and um it because this whole thing around um oh god the covid brain um uh what's the one the huge spotify hit
0: or the or the whole is it well isn't it i can't go for that
1: No, no, it's the it's the one that's that's a TikTok sensation.
0: Oh, is it? Oh, oh, is it? Wait for me, maybe.
1: No, it's not. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I'm.
0: Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm. I'm, I'm Let's go on Spotify. It'll be one of the big ones. Is
1: it? You make my dreams. Yes, that's it. Okay. Sorry, and uh, which brilliantly, I played literally every gig now. So because. It's just huge, uh, num- the numbers are phenomenal. Uh, yeah. It's via film and TikTok that that moment had occurred. And um, uh, and uh, it was just t- to see them at latitude and as they perform that number, to see the crowd come together on that, and that it slightly blew them away. What I'm saying is they've got a little bit of a renaissance on now, yeah. but here we go. Here's my, uh, I'm glad I've just remembered this, Hall of Notes, so do you ever watch, um, daryl's Darrell's house i do occasionally yeah 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 yeah
0: but should we tell people what it is okay so don't. it's like okay. basically that what is it daryl has people to his house like m- famous musical guests and they play a, a combination of other covers and songs made famous
1: by daryl hall and john oates yeah that's pretty much it In a the, and they eat they eat they, they, there's always a really good spread of food on for, for everyone. And that's quite part of the feature of Daryl's house, yeah. is what's on the menu today then, Daryl? So the, the, the episode with John Oates as the guest, fuck me, it is great. It is, it's, it's so worth checking. I think he might have done it a couple of times, so try and watch it. I think it'll be the first time that he appears you start to really get the dynamics of the relationship when Come you when they're doing on. off the cuff sort of like yeah. so so john's arrived at daryl's house and daryl's house is pretty darn impressive isn't it right. it's 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 a uh it's a, like a ranch yeah yeah it is yeah it's he's he's got it going on who wouldn't want to stay at Darryl's house daryl's house it, exactly it beautifully and so he's welcomed in and i can't remember it it's been a while since i've watched it but they're. You know there's there's a few you know help yourself to food john and da, da, da. and he says do you want to come out and see I've, I've totally misquoting this but this is how i remember it do you want to come out and see the um see the barn i've just had built and john <laughs> goes yeah so the camera comes out and they and they start talking about stone about stones about the building stones oh and, yeah and they are and it's like they're trying and it's it's literally like daryl's trying to outdo john and john's trying to catch up it is it's off the scale as i remember but it's kind over.
0: of how you, like, so you would guess that something like that would
1: happen yeah 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 they're talking about the quality you know where you get the stone from and it's like wow this is going in deep and you can see john just slightly feeling on edge that daryl's got this really nice stone that he's built this really nice barn with and thinking I need to get a barn like like Daryl's barn.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. You know, do you know what's just occurred to me? As you say that, the dynamic, the the evolving dynamic between Daryl and John, is representative by the, the 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 kind of evolution of their hairstyles. So, as Daryl's hair has got bigger, John's hair has got smaller, and I think that's kind of interesting, isn't it?
1: Yes, yeah. Do do you remember the um the inner sleeve to the Silver album? Have you got? Yeah, have you? I don't. Mine's not got it, uh, It's oh, the most understand. camp. They do yes. Off the because on the front they've got the makeup on, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, there's like a inner sheet with lyrics on one side and a photo that is basically John naked, and I mean naked, <laughs> but the but i uh, lying on a chaise lounge uh with the leg sort of up obviously hiding the parts that other bits don't want to see (laughs) and john's and daryl's in the background and it's like how the fuck did they arrive at that point where that was a good idea (laughs) god bless them
0: amazing you know in in the 70s you know you had different kind of recreational um, inspirations (laughs) flying around
1: i can't They were I don't think they were on that train I think that they I think they were I I would imagine certainly John for sure quite straight down the line on things like that yeah no
0: fair enough yeah that's amazing yeah no I love Daryl's house so what so after this I'm going to go and watch Daryl's house you're going to go and watch Mike Reed's heritage (laughs) and then we need to sort of convene for part two I think
1: definitely
0: um okay well look this seems to be a good time to let you okay. go and let you recover because you have you've done this you've done miraculously well oh, given that you're on in day five of your COVID. Student. oh
1: it's just been a joy because it's we've done it virtually it's it's no, no one else has been harmed in the making of this program so uh, and it's been an absolute joy pete thank you so much
0: well, thank you so much i hope that I, I,
1: whatever identity crisis we gave you i hope it wasn't too serious uh, it was no, it, it 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 was it was me and my demons rather than you and yours. <laughs> Sean, I knew it would be an absolute pleasure, and so it came to be.
0: Let's do this again sometime. Take care. Thanks for joining the Ace Podcast. Thank you very much, Pete. For more excellent music, you can scoot over to the Ace Records website: www.acerecords.co.uk. For all the wonderful music you can possibly need.